All right, folks, uh, welcome back again to another series of video. Um, this one, this is topic 13. Um, we will actually take, uh, I will actually record two separate video for this topic, okay? Um, one thing is uh, this, if you look at this PowerPoint, this PowerPoint is huge, it's humongous. So um, I don't want to put it all in one video because it's gonna be a long, long, long video. So, um, so we'll do, I'm going to do first part, first part of this video here, and then we'll have a second part. If you notice, uh, this is topic 13. Topic 14, there's actually no topic at all. There's actually no uh, no PowerPoint for topic 14. Uh, so basically, we could split this into two weeks. We could do this one for this week and another one for next week. So um, so I'll put this one out this week, and then I'll put the other one out next week. So kind of give you more time as well to really dive in into the, into this topic, because technically speaking, when you look at the look at the term, you have muscle, muscular, skeletal, which is bone, uh, and inter, inter, integ integumentary, which is three things, uh, your muscle, your bone, and your skin. So that's three huge topics for each one. So so this week, probably, I will cover the, the, the muscular skeleton, and then next week, I'll focus on derm, which is a um, completely different video. So without further ado, let's get to it, shall we? Um, so the basic thing is you do need to know the anatomy of the muscle. Uh, you're going to see that on your final exam. There will be one or two questions asking about how the muscle work. If you don't remember that, I will highly recommend just watch YouTube videos. There are tons of YouTube videos that are actually explaining about the muscle, um, the muscle video. So, um, so please go watch those videos. So when we talk about injuries, uh, musculoskeletal injury, the first thing that you really need to remember is the the fracture. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna dive in a little bit more different types of fracture that you need to know. You do need to know that for your exam, so you do kind of be able to recognize that. I would also put uh, another PowerPoint on there as well for you guys to kind of learn about the, the X-ray of, of bones and how different mus uh, different bones actually how the bone breaks, different way it actually breaks. Um, so to kind of help you understand what fracture is a little bit more. And if you ever gonna work in like ortho or in a in a clinic where you will have to do an X-ray inside your clinic, um, you could actually look at the X-ray and be able to to determine what kind of fracture it is by just looking at the x-ray alone okay so i'll put that up, up the powerpoint for you to, for you guys to go over and it's pretty much self-explanatory so that that powerpoint so so healing phase uh you have the inflammatory phase when it's um right when it's actually happened that's the first few days things become inflamed you're going to have a lot of pus you're going to have a lot of infl inflammatory response so um swelling a lot of those in the first three or four days repairing phase could take uh, days to weeks for things to regrow again to bone for the regrow model modeling is going to take months to years so it's going to take a long time to, you know before your bone can get set um Couple of things to remember: when we break things, uh, you compromise the strength of that uh, system. So let's say the bone, the muscle, the the skin, even especially the skin, the tension that you have, um, the the tensile tile, the tension of that skin actually compromised by twenty percent. So every time let's say you make a cut, 
whatever cut that is, um, that tension strength reduced by 20%. So that's mean that location, that skin is not as tough or it's not as pliable that it used to be when it's before it cut. So that's why when we only recommend to do three or four uh, C-section because after four C-section, you actually compromise 80% of your tension strength. So any more than that, you you actually will have an eruptural utero or your skin will not heal properly. So your muscle might be torn or tear or your skin also could tear as well and could cause infection. So, um, so keep that in mind. Every time you cut someone open, uh, you reduce that by 20% every single time. So bone fracture, there's different type of bone fracture. The main one, um, and you guys could look at these by yourself, but the main one I want you guys to know are these. And most of you know these already. If you don't, uh, I want to brush up on these. You have complete versus incomplete. Complete is complete break, completely break out. Incomplete, that's mean you have hairline fraction, so things are not completely separated. Uh, close versus open. Close is inside the skin. Open is when the bones stick out on top of your skin, so that's open. A lot of time, open is actually very easy to easy to fix. Uh, very very easy to fix because most of those break is very clean break. Uh, you have those clean break, and then you could put that, them back together very easily. The hardest one to put it back is this guy here is avulsion uh, fraction or comminuted. Comminuted is when things break down into little tiny pieces. When you imagine you have a long piece of bone and you break that, shatter that into little tiny pieces, and you try to put everything back like a jigsaw puzzle. That's the that's the that's a problem. That's a really tough one to fix. Compression, usually we talk about the spine. Uh, you have the compression fracture, meaning that things just compressing down. Um, you see this a lot of time, like falling injury. If you fall by your buttocks, you use your butt to break the fall. Uh, you could have compression in your spine. Uh, if you fall and you use your hand, uh, you could compress uh, certain, uh, your carpal bone as well, so you could have some of those compression fractures as well. But mainly when we talk about compression, it's usually referring to your spine. Okay, green stick uh, fracture. All of you probably heard this before, where uh, your bone is not cleanly break. It's actually like a twig, uh, like a stick on the tree. When you break it, you still have um, some hairline that actually doesn't hold it together. It actually uh, become like this. So like little stick on the tree, where you have little bit of attachment there. Okay, so that's a green stick, green stick fracture. Pathological usually is mean uh, there's underlying causes that cause these, and we're going to cover that uh, in this lecture. There's several of them that can cause pathological. So. Uh, Non-accidental trauma, you have maltreatment, meaning that uh, you could have long bone injuries um, um, before, like, um, before kids actually could even walk. Uh, that uh, mean that you know you could have physical abuse if you go to PCH. Uh, you see that quite often for some reason. There's uh, been a high number of cases in um, physical abuse in the past couple of years. There's actually you know kids were brought in with really horrible horrible trauma by their parents or their family members. So um, so all kinds of things that they do to do to these infants and these toddlers. So. Um, All of those are reportable. Um, the first one, really good one to know if you're going to work, especially with the, um, especially with the, um, with teenagers. You need, definitely need to know this. This is called Oshkosh-Slaughter's disease. Oshkosh-Slaughter disease. Um, this is a and um, 
more of a tendon, uh, the, the rupture of your tendon, your pat patella tendon. So what happened is you actually have your patella tendon here, and it actually pull your bone. It pulls your bone up to the point that you have a break on your tibia tuberosity. You have this fracture of your tibia tuberosity right here. Okay, it's just pulling up that bone. Uh, you're gonna see this quite a bit in, in the teens years, 12 to 16 or so, um, where they still have these growth spurts. Um, and what happens is, they, especially if they play sport, very, very, very common. With uh, with sport injuries, uh, overuse of their knees, uh, like soccer, baseball, they run a lot, uh, football as well. Uh, so they could actually have these kind of uh, fracture. They will complain of pain. They will com complain of the key term that you really want to underline is the hip pain. Uh, hip pain here. So uh, if they complain of hip pain, even though it's hip, um, first thing you might want to check is their that's isolateral, ipsilateral knee. So same side knee, you will want to check that knee to see whether it has any pain in their knee and you feel any fracture in their knee and taking that x-ray. Okay, but nevertheless, even though you take an x-ray, you'll see all this kind of things. All you're gonna do is you're gonna give them the NSAID and Tylenol. This is self-limiting, meaning that it will go away by itself. Um, you just recommend them to just rest, decrease that activities, uh, do the rise, uh, rest, um, ice, compress, elevate, okay? So NSAID and Tylenol, that's all you're gonna recommend. So, so I would highly recommend knowing this because you're definitely gonna see it if you're gonna practice in family practice. Uh, you're gonna see quite a bit of kids coming in, uh, complaining all of a sudden they have this hip pain. Okay, this uh, this uh, this location. This is mean displacement of your joint. You could have um, your shoulder displacement. Uh, unfortunately, they didn't go into detail, but even just your shoulder alone, you could you could displace in se several different ways. Uh, you could displace it forward. You could displace it posteriorly. You could displace it most commonly inferiorly. Um, the 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 one that really hurts a lot and it really concerning the most is it displaced it uh, anteriorly. When you displace it anteriorly, you actually have a hook. Uh, there's a hook um, of the cricroid process on your scapula in the back. You have this cricroid process in the front, and you could actually break that cricroid process um, and causing a lot all kinds of problems, all kinds of damage. So something to to keep in mind. The the one that really most common is displaced uh, inferiorly, which is going down, but um, one thing you might want, want to check is take an X-ray because the glenoid process of your scapula, when the the head of the the head of the humerus displaced down, it could actually break that tips of that in infraglenoid uh, bone, uh, causing problems as well. So you want to uh, to make sure that those displacement um, doesn't actually cause any bone damage. A lot of time, ER doctor will just pop it right right back in without even X-ray, without doing anything. Um, but you want to be on the safe side. Want to make sure that you X-ray and see, and you could pop it right back in pretty easily. Subluxation, this is a fancy term that we often use with chiropractor. Chiropractor love this term. Uh, this, is, this is when your joint is kind of become less movable, partial loss of that, um, that movement. Um, so you want, that's why you go in to see them because they could uh, increase, uh, take away the subluxation, um, increase that joint um, range of movement again. So that's the term oftentimes we use with that. Uh, these three terms, uh, oftentimes we misuse it all the time, strain, sprain, and then avulsion. If you look at it, this strain is referring to tendon, uh, any type of tendon. So when we talk about tendon, tendon is when you have your uh, muscle to bone. 
okay, muscle to bone, any type of tendon, like Achilles tendons. So if you have injury tear, you have um, injury at your tendon, then we call it strain. If it's a ligament, which means it's connecting from bone to bone, bone to bone, ligament is bone to bone. So your ACL, your PCL, MCL, all of those are ligament. So those are sprained. So please use it correctly, uh, strain versus sprain. Um, avulsion, again, is more of the uh, separation of the tendon or ligament completely from your bone. So it's, that's mean, let's say your Achilles uh, avulsion, you have Achilles avulsion, that's mean your Achilles is free-floating, you can't even walk at that point. Uh, you can't even stand at that point. Okay. Tendonitis, uh, that's inflammation of your tendon. Tendinosis is just you have collagen fiber, you're degrading those collagen fibers, so you start having pain. Bursitis, inflammation of your bursa, which is, is all in your, these are a little water gap in your movable joint, any some of your joint, you have these bursa in them. You have inflammation there. Uh, there's all kinds of therapy, wonderful therapies, actually, really, that helps with these things. Uh, your tendonitis, you're going to come in with a tennis elbow, uh, golfer elbow, sorry, tennis elbow, golfer elbow. So all kinds of these, you're going to see just right right, um, right here epicond epicondylitis uh, epicondylitis is information of your epicondyle which is on the uh, outside part of your bone uh, your tennis elbow which is your lateral uh, lateral which means on the outside on top that's the tennis elbow uh, which is lateral epicondylitis and golfer elbow or um, uh, medial epicondylitis which is here okay Okay, muscle strain, it could take up to six weeks um, to actually really heal. There's actually all kinds of all kinds of treatment that you could do with muscle strain. Unfortunately, I wish um, I could show this in class. There's several things that you could do uh, to help with the muscle damage. There's actually a lot of herbal supplements that you could put it on, spray it on your muscle that actually help uh, reduce the strain as well. Okay. Uh, myositis. Ossificant. So this is inflammation of your muscle tissue with subsequent calcification. So um, these are uh, your bones starting to become um, inflamed. Your muscles start to become inflamed and then all of a sudden these uh, start to have calcification on your muscles. So your muscle become a little bit more rigid. Okay, uh, rigid and your bone become also rigid in terms of movement. Rhabdo, you guys know rhabdo. If you work in ER, you see this all the time, technically speaking, uh, rhabdo. The triad to remember is muscle pain, weakness, and dark urine. Muscle pain, weakness, and dark urine. So those three are the a key, three key components. Um, <clears throat> sorry, my dog is running around. Um, okay, so uh, compartment syndrome. This is one of the most interesting things to remember. Compartment sy syndrome, uh, we oftentimes think of compartment syndrome has to do with muscle, but in fact, it's not the muscle is truly the problem. The problem is this, is the complication of the fracture. You actually have fracture on your bone, okay? Uh, the fracture, then it cut cut down the blood flow to those areas, and then causing those areas to become, you know, inflamed. So your muscles start to become swollen. So causing those um, your muscle to expand. So when we, you know, as uh, when you see the compartment syndrome, most of the time you you see it as a muscle problem because you these muscles starting to expand in a rapid rate um, and causing a lot of pain. Um, but in fact, it's not the muscle itself. It's the it's the bone. It's actually there's fraction in those bones. There's micro fraction that's somehow causing inflammation to those uh, to those vessels. Okay, you could see um, 
the worldwide incision, you uh, we uh, cut the skin to to relieve those uh, those those expansion of the of the muscle to help the patient. Looks really bad. In fact, it's not too too bad. This one you do need to know. This is osteomyelitis. Osteomyelitis. Osteo. You think of the osteo. What what is osteo? Osteo means referring to bone. Bone. Okay. Myel. Myel. What is myel? Okay, myo. People think it's muscle. That's myo. Myo is muscle. This is not muscle whatsoever. This is myo. This is uh, soft tissue, uh, bone marrow. Okay, so osteomyelitis is actually inflammation of your bone and your bone marrow. Okay, oftentimes it's this lovely bug. This is a super bug, which is called staph, um, super bacteria. So staph, staphylococcus. Uh, this is the uh, all, this is very common infection everywhere. Staph aureus is everywhere in your nose, in your eyes, everywhere in your mouth. So this guy caused a lot of problem. And if this guy gets into your bone, get into your bone marrow, this caused a long time problem. This could be could be acute, but most often time you're gonna see this as a clinic, uh, as a chronic problem. Okay, uh, if you look at this. Really, I would highly recommend watching this video that uh, is on here. Okay, this video will actually show how to debris the um, the osteomyelitis. Okay, and you're gonna hear the sound. Turn up your sound if you're actually watching that video. Uh, just just pause this video, uh, watch that YouTube video really quick from your PowerPoint, and you will hear the sound, the scraping sound. You want to hear that high pitch sound. If the bone is compromised, uh, you will hear a dull sound. You actually you won't hear as as high pitch sound of that that scrape. Okay. Again, like I said, it's it's the staph aureus. It's in fact inside your bone marrow, not on your muscle. This is, has nothing to do with your muscle. Okay. Um, your muscle usually may go down, may go really uh, become very thin, but it's actually on your bone. Your white count go up. Your CRP because infection going on. Um, you have we're gonna have to use the antibiotics and usually it's an IV antibiotics and it's gonna take two or three months uh, to do IV on a daily basis so this is a home health kind of issue something you you might want to keep in mind if you're gonna deal with uh, geriatric population which most of you probably will and it's only you even gonna work in the in a, um, nursing home if you do uh, please make sure you can you might see this in a nursing home where you have the osteomyelitis and then you have to order antibiotics for two or three months IV every day and you have to degree them, clean them. Uh, pediatric osteomyelitis is rare, but it can happen. Um, usually it's because of the septic arthritis. That's the key thing to, to remember. Um, and it may involve in your vertebrae, okay? Um, again, you may see the uh, the fever for sure because this is usually most for kids for pediatric is usually a, a acute type and you may see uh, may affect the moving of the, the limb as well. Uh, so certain limb. Back pain and limbs. OA osteoarthritis. You do need to know this one. This is this is very common. You hear this all the time. This is when the wear and tear of your joint, um, your joint is keep rubbing off until it's actually starting to cause inflammation. Um, due to various kind of things, could be genetic, could be overuse um, of that joint. Uh, athlete goes through this very easily because they overuse their joint. Uh, the pitcher, the the hitter, golfer, I mean, you name it. Uh, you could go through these. Okay? You could have people in their 40s and 50s coming in and their joints are completely gone and then causing you to have this. Okay? Um, 
one thing to keep in mind is you you know the usual symptoms of this which is pain stiffness joint tenderness all of those very very usual symptoms something to keep in mind um the more unusual thing that you may people may not talk about is uh, the hearing loss that you could actually get hearing loss from oa uh, one of the more important thing is that you you in your ear there are the three smallest bone in your ear which is the incastapes and um malus so those are three smallest bones, and between those bones are synovial joints. Between those bones are synovial joints. So those joints can also have this, can have osteoarthritis. So if they, if those joints have osteoarthritis, that means you can't hear from it. You can if the joint is inflamed, the bone conduction, the, the vibration coming into your ear cannot go in uh, past, you know, into the cochlea. If the vibration cannot get to the cochlea, that means you're going to start losing your hearing. So one of the symptoms that you may not think about is hearing loss. So osteoarthritis can cause you to have hearing loss as well. Okay. Um, so most common usually in your hand, wrist, knee, and feet. Uh, morning stiffness, not that kind of morning stiffness. Uh, this is on your joints, um, not referring to men. Uh, that's a different chapter. So, okay. So increase uh, with use, uh, decrease with rest. So your pain goes up if you have used too much. Again, rest, exercise, surgery, there's all kinds of things now. There is, uh, you could inject silicone into your, into your joint to help. Uh, you could put disc on there. Um, artificial disc to help support it um, so all kinds of things there's as interesting as b-venom therapy one of the interesting ones when i actually went to school uh, very common that they use it at that time to help to help relieve the pain actually uh, it costs uh, make your body reduce a natural um, antihistamine and also repair itself so by injecting the b-venom into those joints itself and if you feel like 10,000 b actually stinging your joint but actually it's helped your joint actually recover that will rebuild itself. Another one that you should know is called RA, uh, rheumatoid arthritis. This is an autoimmune disease, uh, inflammatory joint disease. Um, again, you have the, pre the presence of the RF factor, which is the rheumatoid factor, uh, and then you also have the antibody. We're going to talk about that a little bit more. So RA, okay, RA, <clears throat> again, you could have the adult type or juvenile type. If, depending on the person. Uh, the most of a common joint to affect this is called the PIP, the proximal interferential joint, uh, an MCP, um, metacarpal pharyngeal joint. So metacarpal pharyngeal is this guy right here. This is metacarpal pharyngeal joint, okay? The PIP is proximal, which is this guy here, right, and this one. So this one and this one, so this two right here, this is, uh, let's look closer. This is the MCP, this is the PIP, Okay, so these are the two common joints that have with RA. Uh, osteo oftentimes happen at the end tip. So osteo happen at the DIP. Okay, DIP is osteo, but with the P, uh, with rheumatoid is uh, MCP, metacarpal pharyngeal joint. So right here, your knuckle and your PIP, which is proximal interferential joint, which is the first one here. Okay, so uh, mostly women. Um, one thing to keep to have concern is this here uh, for kids uh, it can actually lead to hepatosplenomegaly hepatosplenomegaly if you actually have this uh, early on in child if you actually diagnose them in, you know in seven eight nine years old something to keep in mind to keep looking at them is is the the, the enlargement of the liver and spleen to make sure that they're still in the same size okay um oh, hello okay so 
Again, you have fever, usually low-grade fever with these, um, because even this is chronic condition, you're not going to have uh, really a acute type of type of fever. Your ESR going to go up, your CRP, all of these is because of inflammation. You're going to find the RF factor in your in, in the blood for sure. Uh, the X-ray will confirm it as well. So this is the MCP joint and this is the PIP joint. So confirm those. Um, one of the things that you could actually look at is the Pacific Serum Marker, um, the auto, the auto anti antibodies RF. Um, all of these you could actually look at in terms of testing. Um, you have to have four of these symptoms, and most of the people who have RA tends to have four or more, definitely. Uh, and they'll tell you this for sure. Uh, juvenile idiopathic arthritis. Uh, this is when you have. Uh, could have a childhood form of the RA in kids, uh, very um, same pathophys, basically. Another big one to remember, this is the enclosing spondylitis, enclosing spondylitis, uh, a huge one to remember. A lot of people actually uh, you know, affected from this. Um, the key things to remember from this is the inflammation of your spine, inflammation of your spine. You're going to see uh, your spine actually become deteriorating. Okay. Um, and the key test you guys want to to highlight or even underline this is right here. Okay, uh, antigen B twenty seven, HLA B twenty seven. This is uh, something to to definitely for uh, to diagnose this. You need to make sure you run this as well to make sure you have this in the blood uh, and closing spondylitis. You could see how you you could. Uh, see the early sign you could have the inflammation but in the later sign is uh, you have the inflammation but also fusion you're going to start seeing fusion of your vertebrae and that's when the pain is really going to start happening okay so you're going to have lower back pain not just lower back but mainly lower back that you're going to see all over and it's going to start spreading all over the uh, the back as well stiffness pain restriction of motion uh, looks like bamboo spine because it's these fusion that occur look like a little bamboo you not you won't have the lumbar lumbar curve lumbar curve referring to um, lumbar curve referring to the curve that goes like this this is your lumbar curve you could see here and here and here you have that lumbar curve um, most likely you may end up like this straight line if you actually end up a straight line these people will have a really hard time just turning the body again lumbar just keep this in mind lumbar doesn't help you bend up and down okay it doesn't help you uh, bend over picking things up that's not the purpose of lumbar lumbar actually help you turn or rotate okay rotate 360 on your body Okay, so with this, if you have problem with your lumbar, you won't be able to turn your body this way. Okay, you want to turn your body left or right. Your thoracic, your thoracic help you bend over to pick things up, um, but your lumbar help you turn. Gout, uh, gout is the inflammation um, of the uric acid. You have these uh, excessive uric acid on uh, buildup everywhere in your bone you have these uric acids start to crystallize and then build up in the bone the uric acid itself is not the whole picture it's not the whole um, the whole problem with with gout uh, the main problem with gout is not just the uric acid um, but it's the antibodies that you actually produce when you have those uric acids so like you have these here you have the uric acid start to build up into your joint 
But what happened is your body produced the antibody and this is, they think, oh, this is the bad guy. This is something actually not part of yourself. So you start attacking it. Your antibodies start attacking, causing your joint to become inflamed. The uric acid by itself is not going to cause your joint to become inflamed. It actually reduces the mobility of your joint a little bit, but not too, too much. But because of the uric acid, your inflammation causing your body to attack in these things. Okay. Um, you could have these. These are the... Um, uh, this is what we call TOFI, uh, T-O-P-H-I, something you should know the name, okay, TOFI. These TOFI uh, could be anywhere in your body, not just your toe, okay, TOFI is going to only be up to your toe. You could have it on your ear, you could have it on your fingers, you could have it anywhere, okay, on your body. So you're going to have these collection of uric acid called TOFI everywhere. Uh, if it's small enough, we're not going to do anything. All of these are cosmetics. Uh, you're going to remove them. It's all cosmetics. They have to pay for those uh, um, First thing you want to do is you want to make sure that you want to rule out the uh, RF uh, to make sure that it's, this is not a rheumatoid arthritis. So you want to rule out the uh, to, to run RF factor to make sure that it's not rheumatoid. Uh, and you could do the uh, atherosynthesis, uh, going to the bone and then aspirate to actually collect these uric acid. And then we'll see those. You could test it in the kidney, in the urine to see whether there's any uric acid in the urine, in your blood as well. But uh, the best way is to do the atherosynthesis. Uh, ben Franklin had this, um, had gout back then. One thing to keep in mind is that uh, gout is associated with purines, purines, um, purines. It could um, increase uric acid. It will increase the purines inside your body. This is a type of amino acid. So um, the one thing we recommend that you do not eat is you don't want to eat any more purines to actually build up more uric acid in your body. So no purines. So anything that has to do with shellfish, organ meats, uh, like liver, gizzard, all of those lovely stuff, hearts, um, no, none of those. Okay. Um, and no sweet bread. Sweet bread is, um, it's a southern dish. Uh, southern dish. If you're from the south, you actually will know what sweet bread is. Uh, it's neither sweet nor is bread. Sweet bread is actually a uh, innards. All the innards, kind of similar, to, similar to chorizo. Chorizo actually has a lot of innards as well. Uh, all the leftover inside the organs, like chickens and pork, they just kind of chop it up into a little small, mix with a little meat. Um, so. Yeah, you want to kind of avoid those uh, for these folks. You don't want to have chorizo, you don't want to have sweet bread, uh, because those are the um, food that has high in purines. Okay. okay. Uh, next one is the loveliest one is fibromyalgia. Fibromyalgia. Lovely, lovely uh, disease. This is a joint and muscle pain. You have joint and muscle pain in your body. Okay. Here, the key things to remember as a practitioner, and right now we don't really have anything to test any. You could rule out other diseases. You could run all kinds of tests to rule out it. Um, but this is the key. Technically speaking, you need to have a nine pairs of tender point, tender spot. Then actually, you have points down, you know, uh, nine pairs going down your torso all the way to your legs. Um, nine pairs of them um, must have tender in 11 of these tender spots. So that's nine Pacific, ten, uh, 18 Pacific spot. You need to have 11 of them. And again, I mean, it's hard as a practitioner, it's hard to really, you know, say what people truly have this because if I press you, you're like, oh, wow, oh, ow, oh, that's two, ow, oh, that's three, ow, oh, that's four. I mean, it's, you, you don't know, you don't know. Um, 
there are some uh, there's some people actually did uh, research on uh, dark field microscope and then they actually see certain uh, shape of blood that completely different in these folks in uh, fibromyalgia um, and that could be true I mean that could be true we don't really know we don't have a hard sign to support it but as far as what we test now is we use just 18 tender spots uh, chronic fatigue, this is um, a huge one. I, I showed you a little bit of this before. This is when you um, you're, you run out of your cortisol. You actually uh, end up with chronic fatigue syndrome. Um, technically speaking, uh, most people kind of group these together with fibromyalgia, um, but fibromyalgia patient can have chronic fatigue syndrome. Uh, but a lot of time, people could have chronic fatigue syndrome without having fibromyalgia as well. So this is basically you just run out of your cortisol because you stress way too much. I and mean, especially what's going on now, a lot of you working really hard and could cause you to end up with chronic fatigue syndrome. Okay, I believe show you how to test for some of those. Um, so unrest, full sleep, you stress a lot, you don't really get enough sleep, you... Um, you feel tired all the time, you feel like you have these memory problems, concentration, so um, could be cortisol level issues. So endocrine disorder, we talked about some of these already, like hypothyroidism, thyrotoxicosis, uh, we already mentioned those in endocrine section. Um, you don't need to know these. Uh, myositis, information of your muscle. Though this one is the muscle myositis. The one that probably you're going to see the most is polymyositis, which is more than one. You actually have a various spectrum uh, places that you actually have infection. Um, but you could be viral, it could be bacterial, it could be parasitic. Uh, trick uh, that's parasitic type. Uh, you have these muscle stiffness. You're going to see discorrelation of your muscle very easily because that's been you have these little aliens uh, make a nice little home inside your body. So um, you could have viral, which is, could be acute. That's nothing that we could really do. Just give some antiviral. Um, you're going to see increase of CK, CK elevation and then eventually will come down to self-limiting. Uh, polymyositis, this is what you're going to probably see the most. And dermatomyositis, which is the information of your both, your your skin and your muscle information of both. Uh, usually is autoimmune disease um, in your pelvic and your girdle. Okay, that's it. You could see right here, right on the on the eye. This is the uh, dermatomyositis on uh, your skin. Dermatomyositis as well. Polymyositis usually uh, something like I said more some more is more common that you're gonna see more common. Um, mostly women could be autoimmune as well, uh, really slow progression, um, poor outcome. You could have complication of your heart, um, you could have blood clot, you could have weakness in your muscle. Um, basically, you're going to do the blood test with the information. You're going to see your white count go up. You're going to test the muscle. You're going to see your muscle electromyography goes down. Um, conduct conductivity is good, but your muscle is not contracting. Um, there's several kind of treatment that we could uh, could do. Okay, toxic myopathy. Toxic myopathy usually caused by alcohol abuse. Uh, you've probably seen this quite a bit if you work in the ER. Muscle cramps and pain uh, because you're just drinking way too much. Uh, you're depleting your B1 and you're depleting all of your uh, nutrients in your body. Um, so your muscle will have a hard, harder time to work as well. Um, so you start having that necrosis in the muscle. Uh, syntactically, uh, this is when you have the web, finger web uh, thing, congenital defects that you actually could born with. You have the incomplete and you have complete where it's completely tight. Both of these we could do surgery to help fix these, so not, that's a big deal. Um, 
So the other one is vestigial tabs, which means you have extra digits instead of five, you have six or seven or eight um, extra digits coming out. Some may not be with bones, some may be with bones, so depending on the general defects. Um, the wrong displacement of the hip, you, uh, the hip is being displaced um, or dislocation of the hip. This is when you go in and you're doing, uh, you know, you move that baby to make sure the hip is actually in place. In place. You've probably done that with the L&D every time when you, with a newborn coming in, uh, that you're dealing with newborns. Um, see this one i think i throw in uh, this rare disease definitely rare um you may probably not gonna see this definitely uh so this is called the brittle bone disease which is osteogenesis imperfecta um oftentimes we talk about this because it's very very uh, interesting case very interesting type of case but something you should know is that the classification of these you have type one through four one through four uh one to four so type one through four so you should be able to see the differences between type one through two three and four um complete um this uh, deform of the limbs pretty much okay your bone become very brittle and deformed osteochondrosis osteochondrosis this is um a vascular disease of the bone so you're actually cutting the blood supply to your bone so your bone and your soft tissue your cartilage as well Okay, there's several types. Um, um, can never pronounce this leg cover purchase uh, disease. Uh, this is self-limiting. Usually, uh, femoral head is interrupted, so should fix itself by itself. Usually, you could see it actually. The femoral head is deformed. So. Scoliosis. This is something you definitely need to know. There's huge stuff you should know with scoliosis. Um, this is the S curve of your spine. You don't want to have that S curve. Okay, so the more S curve you have, the worse it is. So you don't want to have that S curve. Your spine should be nice and straight. Uh, there are two types of two types of scoliosis that you should know and you should be able to perform this in your office. So two types of scoliosis. One is called non-structural and the other one is structural. Okay. Um, Non-structural meaning is caused some uh, other than the spine. It curvature caused uh, a cause other than the spine. Something actually caused your spine to go in an S shape. Okay, and structural is something that you will definitely seeing your spine actually going in curve, um, going in curve. Okay, so um, the easy way to look at this is if you have you you have person stand up, and you could see the S shape like this going S S shape curve. Okay, but when you have them bend over, touch their toe, and you run your finger in the back again, if that curve becomes straight, that's called non-structural. Okay, that's non-structural. So if they stand straight, you feel they curve is nice and curvy, but when they bend over, touch their toe, and you run their finger along their spine, if that run the finger becomes straight, the spine becomes straight, that means it's non-structural. But when they bend over and they touch their toe, if their spine still curvy, that means it's structural. Okay, that's mean the structural. That's something um, causing this. You want to know this. You want to know whether it's uh, less than twenty degree, which is mild. Moderate is twenty five to forty degree, and then severe is greater than fifty degree. So this fifty degree, this is surgery. You need to go in and do surgery. Okay, uh, moderate, you will put on a brace. Okay, this is put on a brace. Uh, twenty degree is or less is just observation. You're just gonna observe to make sure that everything is okay with them. Okay.
We're going to talk about different brace, uh, braces just a second, but just keep in mind, when you do measure these, you can see how they measure this by first drawing a line here uh, from one part of the spine to another part of the spine, and then draw a perpendicular, the 90 degree perpendicular line, and then measure that angle. What is the angle of the bend? So what they, in fact, what they're measuring is this angle right here, what is, what is this angle of the bend of the spine? And you could do this to every single one of these. So you could actually do this right here, draw a 90 degree perpendicular line. Oh, there, that's not 90. So drawing up, same thing from here, you could actually extend this line and draw up that 90 degree, and then you could measure that angle, what is that angle? Okay, you do need to know what the angle is uh, for the patient. So you could, uh, based on those, you could actually determine what kind of treatment uh, you want to do with that. You want to do mild, moderate, or severe type of treatment. Okay. Um, so this, there is a couple of braces that you should be aware of. So first one, this is, again, both of these are for moderate, moderate uh, use only. Okay, moderate use. So this is the Milwaukee brace. Milwaukee brace, this is uh, with the high thoracic curve. Uh, if you have the curve, what that means is that you have a curve up here on your thoracic, your S curve uh, come up, way up here. That's the high thoracic curve. You want to use this um, Milwaukee brace to help. And these braces actually help quite tremendously to actually help stand their back, help uh, slow down these progression of disease. And I would recommend PT, I would recommend doing having these curves as well, these braces as well. Uh, Boston brace is another common one that we use. Uh, this is a little bit bulkier uh, brace, a little harder for people to wear all day long. Um, but um, actually, I'm sorry, less bulky, sorry. That one was bulkier, uh, the Milwaukee brace, you could see they have metals everywhere. Uh, this one is a plastic curve you could actually put under your clothes. Uh, this is usually with the middle uh, middle section and also the lower section, the lumbar section. Uh, if you have a curve, really bad curve down here, uh, this could help, could help these keep, keep these curves in straight. Uh, bone tumors, uh, something you also should notice, different type of bone tumors. The first one that you definitely need to know, this is called the osteochondroma. osteochondroma. This is the benign type of bone tumor, benign. Um, you see the protuberance of the bone coming out, uh, usually at the distal end um, of the bone, okay, the, by the growth plate. The growth plate is here, right here, so usually by the that growth plate, uh, osteochondroma. This is benign, completely benign, so usually we don't take this out. Unfortunately, we don't take these, these bone out unless it's cause you any discomfort. That's when we start taking it out. Um, osteochondroma, something you should know, definitely should know for your for your final exam. Okay, uh, you have fibrous dysplasia um, as well. Uh, rhabdomyoma, which is rare, really rare. Um, the main one to remember is the osteochondroma. This is what it looks like, osteochondroma, at the end of the... Um, at the, at the growth plate of your bone. Um, the other two types of malignant you should know as osteosarcoma. Osteosarcoma is definitely um, bone to a malignant type of bone tumor. Um, usually uh, start with the mes mesenchymal cell. Okay, mesenchymal cell. Uh, you start building up these osteoid tissue. Uh, by that growth plate again, um, and it's caused by the deletion of the chromosome 13. Uh, okay, oftentimes you definitely have pain. We definitely, you could see this in X-ray. X-ray will show it very easily. Um, one of the type, another type is Ewing sarcoma. Definitely knowing this too. 
you will see this in your your final exam. Uh, this one usually in the diaphysis, the diaphysis of your long bone. That's the key to remember. That's in the diaphysis, the Ewing sarcoma, like this. Okay. Um, so I think next picture I show you here. If you're less than thirty years old, you're gonna see Ewing sarcoma uh, in your uh, your long bone. Okay, osteosarcoma by the growth plate again. Okay, osteomyelitis. We talk about that as well uh, toward the end of this bone. Osteomyelitis greater than thirty years old. You have lymphoma, myeloma, lymphoma here, uh, and giant giant cell tumor. Giant CT is stands for giant cell tumor. Usually, that's at the end of your of your bone. Uh, chondrosarcoma, that's uh, your, your uh, tumor in your cartilage, uh, your cartilage uh, part of your bone, okay? Middle-aged and adult, pain and swelling, fibrosarcoma, that's your fibrous tissue become uh, starting to have the um, cancer as well. Uh, very common to spread to the lungs, something to keep in mind. Myelogenic tumors, this is in your bone marrow, so like a side giant cell tumor. Always remember giant cell is at the end, uh, at the end of the tip. Like your epiphysis in your femur, your tibia, your humerus, your radius at the end of the tip. You're going to see these giant cell tumors. And usually you're going to see that location. So let's say they, uh, at the end of that radius, that ra radial head, like radial head is up here. Um, but you're gonna see that radial head having that um, that giant cell tumor, or you know your your um, in your uh, femur or your tibia. You may see those in there. Rhabdomyosarcoma, rhabdomyosarcoma, this is in your muscle, okay, this is the tumor in your muscle, highly malignant, uh, very quick as well, this is uh, fast metastasis. We already talked about osteoporosis, so osteomalacia, Pickett's disease, Paget of the bone, um, you do need to know Paget of the bone, uh, yes, you do need to know that. I think we mentioned that somewhere before. Uh, I think part of topic one, if I remember correctly, topic one and topic two. So you might want to review those. You're going to see this definitely for sure on your exam. Osteoporosis, osteomalacia, and patch disease. You're going to see that on your final exam. So review those again. This condition associated with which lab? The correct answer is hyper uresemia. Okay. 